Welcome to another edition of Not Fake News, a commentary about news reporting that may not be appreciated by news reporters, probably because they are not truth-seeking journalists. I'm your host, Mike T., a non-journalist who reads too many newspapers, and quite often I think about writing a letter to the editor for the record, over the years, I have had a few letters to the editor actually printed in the local paper, in my case, the Cleveland Plain Dealer. But I have never had a letter to the editor published by the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. In fact, part of the motivation for this particular podcast today is to present a letter to the editor to the New York Times. I like to ask questions and expose blatant partisanship and fake news that regularly appears in the New York Times and in other mainstream press. For example, in the November 23rd issue of the New York Times, there are six letters to the editor published on the opinion page. I guess that formerly was known as the editorial page. And these letters were published under the title, Rittenhouse and Justice in America. The letters pertain to the New York Times articles on November 20th and November 22nd, both in reaction to the Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty verdict rendered by a jury in Kenosha, Wisconsin on November 19th of 2021. Predictably, all six letters are critical of the jury's decision. Not one of them reads, in the spirit of thanksgiving, let us give thanks that at least one part of our government, the judicial branch, and our system of justice still works. Now, none of these letters to the editor were in that tone. Instead, a writer from Maine criticizes young Kyle for, quote, placing himself in a bad situation, being barely equipped to handle the responsibility of having a gun in a place of chaos and violence and not knowing how to de-escalate tension, end quote. When he felt threatened, I'm reading more from the letter to the editor from the person from Maine. When he felt threatened, his solution was to shoot to kill. He could have put down his gun and surrendered after the first incident. Surrender to whom? The mob that was chasing him with rocks, skateboards, guns, and screaming, kill the bastard? Just give them his loaded firearm so they could kill him? Even in the state of Maine, that would not make sense. Please notice the lefty talking point that merely feeling threatened by someone is not grounds for shooting and killing the person. Making the threat. Perhaps we can agree on that. But can we also agree that it is the degree or severity of the threat that triggers, no pun intended, the level of self-defense. The jury unanimously determined that the threat was so severe against Kyle Rittenhouse that it justified 
the use of force, even deadly force, to repel the threat. But wait, there's more. The writer from Maine bemoans the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse, quote, paid nothing for his actions, end quote. Ladies and gentlemen, this is fake news. At age 17, Kyle Rittenhouse spent 87 days in jail with no running water, by the way. He was and is regularly condemned as a white supremacist murderer by most media outlets. He has to live with an armed guard to protect him against constant death threats. He spent a month preparing for trial. He endured several days of accusatory witnesses and several hours-long cross-examination by a prosecutor. But thank you for your thoughts from Maine. Another lefty reader from Bronxville, New York, also picked up on the false talking point of, quote, zero responsibility, end quote, comparing the act of walking down the street with a semi-automatic rifle and shooting someone with a drunken driver who did not mean to kill anyone while getting behind the wheel with alcohol in their system. What? I guess each scenario can be described as a disaster in the making if the gun-toting streetwalker pointed his gun at every peaceful protester with his finger on the trigger, as demonstrated by the prosecutor in the courtroom. But that did not happen with Kyle Rittenhouse. All facts matter. Then we have in the New York Times letter to the editor, a philosophical reader from Greenwich, Connecticut, who asks the profound question, what does Rittenhouse's successful claim of self-defense say about the state of affairs in America? That's deep, right? He wrote, is it really okay for an armed person to shoot demonstrators when the demonstrators perceive the armed person as a threat and seek to disarm him? Is that what happened? No, not even close. First of all, the demonstrators were not peaceful. Let me say that again. The demonstrators were not peaceful. They are never peaceful during the summer of the 2020. Every, almost every single demonstration turned violent when uh, people stayed after curfew, which regularly happened. The demonstrators were not peaceful. They were setting fires and bashing windows with baseball bats. They were making threats. The first victim was begging somebody to shoot him. And then he chased Rittenhouse with the intention of using Rittenhouse's gun on Rittenhouse. The others expressed a clear desire not to disarm Rittenhouse, but to kill Rittenhouse. What does that say about the state of affairs in America? It says to me that when government fails to enforce its own rules and permits peaceful demonstrations to develop into violent demonstrations and riots and destruction for a third night in a row, that when ordinary citizens are on their own to protect themselves and their property, 
bad things will happen to some people because other people are not going to stand by and let their property be destroyed for the sake of social justice. Another letter to the editor to the New York Times came from a retired lawyer who comes from the People's Republic of Washington. That would be the state of Washington. And she says she grew up in Mississippi under Jim Crow laws. Well, she writes, never have I been so afraid of white people. You mean white people like Rosenbaum, who were setting fires in the street and threatening to kill people with guns? Or the white people seen on the video bashing used cars with baseball bats? Those white people? Or the white people like Rittenhouse and his friends who were cleaning graffiti, rendering first aid, putting out fires, and protecting property? No. This lawyer's fear is based partly on the degree to which those in positions of authority, such as Judge Schroeder, a Democrat, to coddle vigilantes. That's what her fear is based upon. The judge's coddling of a vigilante. The verdict will embolden other white vigilantes, she writes, to begin arming themselves and shooting at the first sign of perceived danger. She uses the V word, vigilante, three times in her letter to the editor to the New York Times, emphasizing the fake news that Rittenhouse was not just a vigilante, but a white vigilante protected by a structurally racist society. My guess is that this retired lawyer has absolutely no experience with criminal prosecution or defense, but she hit enough talking points to make the print in the New York Times. Finally, a reader from New York says that Kyle Rittenhouse, quote, as a teen, has the opportunity to deter gun violence through his public words and deeds, or he could worsen it by the same. Well, speaking of deterrence of violence, do you know who missed a golden opportunity to deter future violence and promote unity and support for the rule of law and an impartial jury system? Why are leaders, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Attorney General Garland? They're all attorneys. Unfortunately, uh, and all are, are under ethical responsibilities to demonstrate respect for the legal system and for those who serve it, including the judges and other lawyers and the jury. Well, uh, they didn't. Biden and, and Harris got two swings and misses, and Merrick Garland did not even step up to the plate and get in the, into the batter's box. Feckless rather than fearless, Joe Biden stated that, quote, the outcome of the case will leave many Americans feeling angry and concerned, himself included, end quote. Angry and concerned about what? Angry that an 18-year-old was not found guilty and sentenced to life in prison? 
for volunteering to protect private property because the government would not concern that he might have to apologize for calling Rittenhouse a white supremacist during the summer of riots when he was a presidential candidate. So the president of the United States, a lawyer, former chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, states that he's angry and concerned about a unanimous verdict of 12 brave citizens who spent a month putting aside partisan differences and biases and fulfilled their civic duty. Biden should invite them to the White House to congratulate them in person for their important and vital role in the efficient and fair administration of justice. He should also make a public apology to Kyle Rittenhouse for prejudging him and erroneously accusing him of being a white supremacist. And likewise, Kamala Harris, a former prosecutor and state attorney general, should publicly acknowledge that justice was served. The system worked as it was supposed to work, efficiently and equitably, and that she is grateful for the fact that something in government is working. Well, thank you for listening to my letter to the editor that would never be printed in the New York Times. Until next time, remember, never take for granted the blessings of liberty established for us and our children by our remarkable Constitution. Read it, know it, defend it against our enemies. Fake news is real. Know what is not fake news. Stay informed. Be engaged. Thank you.